Split Tube Media and a Synesthesia Podcast present a special daily October podcast. Hell, 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 hell. to the king, king, king. Jason, have you read Stephen King's books? Read Stephen King's books, 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 King movie, a Stephen King movie. King movie, a Stephen King movie. King movie, a Stephen King movie. I have done my best. To scare the shit out of you guys. Uh, all right, so let's. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start creeping. <laughs> I'm always uh, creeping, man. Should I do the creep? I don't know if I can do the creep. I, don't, I, I don't can do the crypt keeper, which is kind of like the creep. Okay, yeah. Welcome, kitties. <laughs> in, in this uh, scenario, uh, I'm an eight-year-old boy, right? In <laughs> if, if you're the creep, then I'm what, yes, Tommy exactly. or whatever. I, I'm I'm Tom Savini in a rubber mask. Yeah, yeah. Welcome, kitties. <laughs> I like to read comic books. Yeah, Do you yeah, like yes. scary comics? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Who doesn't, man? Um, the dad of the kid in this movie is who. Night three of Halloween, also known as October the third. Also known as Halloween three, season of the witch. That's today. <laughs> Um, I really, I found myself desperately wishing that that movie had gone through all 31 days. Oh man! Uh, with so that you could drop the, chant. the opening, so I could song just drop that every in every day. day. We could do that anyway. Silver Shamrock. I would be fully on board with yeah. beginning or ending um, every episode with that. At the very least, I might cut this out if I end up doing it so that I can actually have it be a surprise. Last, but whenever, like whatever day they do start with, yeah. I might just start dropping it in. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Yeah. It'll be a little, be a little gift Halloween, to anybody who actually Halloween, listens. Halloween, Halloween, <laughs> uh, There's... Uh, well, whatever. We'll get to it when we get to it. Uh, um, J- Jason, I own Creepshow on DVD. On the DVD you format. Do. I do. And I watched it in, I'm going to say, high school and then never again. And all I remembered was Leslie Nielsen is in it. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen is in it. But that's, and that's... such a small... That's... Uh, one eighth of the movie is that sort of i chronologically yes sure. in terms of spirit no it's much Agreed. more than that. okay i agree with that i think leslie nielsen is one of the most memorable things in this movie a movie oh, i for liked sure. for sure uh i i will say that i'm not i'm not that's not trying to dog on creep show being like well this is one performance is what the most memorable thing no 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 I, yeah. I, I quite like this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then on top of already liking this movie, Leslie Nielsen's playing a full-on creep. Like, what a star turn. really good. How many people, here's my question, how many people, I feel like very few, get the chance to make two huge about faces in their career? Right? Like, Len- Leslie Nielsen starts as a drama guy, and then an airplane, they're like, we're going to cast you against type. And then he has years of being, a, like, a wacky comedy guy. And then he gets to do this, where he's, like, the scariest dude in the whole movie. Oh, totally. Although, th- I feel like this was before the bulk of his comedic roles. Oh, I guess that's true. When was Airplane? Like, three years before this? 
I think so. Yeah, okay. Um, all right. But but then, like, Naked Gun movies are all after. They're all after, right? Police Squad also then, is probably after this. That's interesting. In uh, my brain... No, Police Squad, the TV show? Yeah. It had to have been after Airplane, right? So it must have been mid-80s. But it also has to be before all the Naked Gun movies. I don't know. We don't have to break down Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I, I agree with the spirit of what you say, and I also... Uh, yeah, Leslie Nielsen was amazing in this movie. I, he was so amazing that it completely distracted me from wondering whether or not that was Ted Danson, because his young face is so unrecognizable right? to me it's now. It's so weird looking at young Ted Danson, even though that's when he was famous. I guess he's still famous, yeah. but he was the most famous during Cheers. He was right? the most famous, and I saw Cheers, and I know what Ted Danson looked like. Yeah. But now, like, distanced from that and yeah. experiencing old Ted Danson, just looking at it, it was I, it was completely uncanny. And my eyes couldn't quite focus. I could not determine whether or not it was Ted Danson. You're like, who is this handsome young actor who looks a lot like Ted Danson? But who is also kind of looks like his face got smushed. Yeah, he's like a little too thin. He's a little too thin and his face is a little too wide. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a very handsome man, don't get me wrong, but also it looks like maybe his head was a perfect square that then got, like, chiseled into a human face. Like he's a Minecraft character. Yes, yes. He was very... He had strong Minecraft energy. Yeah. That's actually... I think that's where the idea for Minecraft came from, was Cheers. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. so I can we just super quickly dip into so we we did Creep Show Creep Show two and Tales from the Dark Side the film which is a lot we're, we're we watched twenty five short lot. films in the we're in the not of this. gonna touch most of it but I um, didn't I didn't realize Jason so Creep Show is nineteen eighty two and the yes. Creep Show two is nineteen eighty seven and between there there's a Tales from the Dark Side TV show and then Tales yes. from the Crypt the TV show based on the comic book that the riffing on for Creep Show doesn't start until 89 yeah it's, yeah this, no this paved the way this is what spurred that i always assumed that that existed before this having never bothered to check um yeah no the creep show i guess we could like introduce this like we actually are running any kind of operation here no uh, <laughs> uh this is the third episode of hell to the king and this episode as jim has already said we are looking at Creepshow, Creepshow 2, and Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. This is the Stephen King, George Romero uh, collaboration series. Uh, we're doing these a little bit out of chronological order because we're skipping ahead to do the sequels. And normally we're not doing sequels, but these are all have some involvement in Stephen related. King. Yeah, they're all King related. The first one, well, the the Creepshow and Creepshow two are the most King related. Um, I guess probably Creepshow one is it, it's a close call because all of the stories in Creepshow two are based on Stephen King stories, but he actually wrote the first one and also has a star turn in <laughs> one of the yeah, episodes. This is our first <laughs> Stephen King showing up in a movie, which yeah. Is delightful and starts a trend, I think, of him getting the doofiest, most fun character to play. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I I was worried going into this that we were going to have these three three movies that, as you said, is like 40 short films. Yeah. Uh, and all I was going to want to talk about is Knight Riders. <laughs> well, which is, I was just going to say, that's actually the first Romero-Stephen uh, King collaboration, right? That's before Creepshow. Yeah, and, and when we and say collaboration, stars Stephen, Stephen King, King as a man who eats a hot dog and makes a dumb face. Yeah. <laughs> as a, most of the film has nothing to do with Stephen King, but he has a very memorable turn as an oaf 
in the crowd. Yeah, I think he yells uh, something. Yeah, yeah, he just, I think he's, t- there he's watching the, the motorcycle jousters, and he's just talking about, oh, like a, like a blood patch in her mouth, it's all <laughs> fake, I'm marking a hot dog. <laughs> George Romero. Wait, that's a kind of cheese, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, George Pecorino Romero. <laughs> is regionally controlled. Um, and grates nicely onto pasta. Yeah. Take that um, home actually, he's it, probably it's... Italian, so that might be a hate speech. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> no, uh, George Romero is, of course, a fucking horror legend, uh, and it, it it's worth mentioning that we're still in this unbroken streak in these early films mm. of just... Of heroes? Uh, just, just in, yeah, insane names taking on these, yeah. these King movies. And this one was... King actually collaborating with Romero directly. It's right. not based on... Because they were friends, King. yes? Well, they... Uh, at some point in time, they became friends, but I think they became friends because, essentially, Stephen King got famous as a horror writer, yeah. and at some point in time in an interview, was asked what his favorite horror mo- movie was, and he said Night of the Living Dead. Oh, okay. And then, you know, he hooked up with Romero, and I think it was a situation where they were both excited to meet and work with the other one. Uh, Romero, possibly because, in part because working with King is going to get him a bigger budget than he For sure. might have otherwise had. Uh, and, you know, King excited because who doesn't want to be in the movies? Yeah. And Romero had made already one of the greatest horror films of all time, a couple of the greatest horror films of all time. Which um, ones are those, Jason? Well, at least Night and Dawn of the Living Dead. Uh, oh, okay. And we we might talk about Martin. Mm, uh, yeah, yeah. And I feel like there's another one that I'm forgetting. I'm not counting Night Riders, even though I adore Night Riders because it's not a horror movie. But they also already were friends at that point, right? Because King's that's true. That's that, that's contemporaneous with Creepshow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he, he definitely made Night and Dawn before he made Creepshow. Um, uh, I think he made The Crazies before then, too, which oh, okay. I, I'm not necessarily putting The Crazies up in the it's Pantheon not, or anything, yeah. but it's pretty dope. Yeah, yeah it's like um, worth a watch. Yeah. So, so it's... And again, Creepshow, at least the first one, is not based on King's stories. It's actually original stories that King is writing as a screenplay for Romero. Yeah. Then the second one is Romero adapting King's stories as a screenplay for another director, <laughs> which I just think is a funny parallel. Yeah. Uh, and it's also interesting to look at them and see like the strengths of strengths and weaknesses of King as a writer, the strengths and weaknesses of Romero as a director, and then Romero as a writer versus somebody else directing Romero's writing. It's all all very there's interesting comparisons and contrasts you can make because yeah. I think that first movie is super well directed, yeah, uh, and the second movie is fine, yeah, like it's totally competently directed, yeah, but it is in some ways uh, better written cinematically yes. speaking yeah, like yeah, in yeah. terms of the way the story is more are, written to be a movie yeah whereas stephen king's script for creep show it's just stories I think has better <laughs> movie stories for the most part yeah and they're better directed but the way the scripts are done is not as cinematically satisfying agreed. i feel like agreed um and tales from the dark side so. is super uneven <laughs> Oh yeah, like the other yeah, the yeah, other two well, feel like you're like I am on a ride that stays the same speed the whole time, and Dark Side is like uh, it's like it's just all over the place. Well, because because for for better or worse, those first two movies, each in their own way, they are Stephen King movies. Yeah, yes. Like the first one's all written by King, second one's all adapted from King. Yes. Um, Tales from the Dark Side it has one King segment. Yeah. 
And, and it's the and, best you know, the, segment, the reason we're doing it is that it, it stems from uh, Tales from the Dark Side, the show that King and Romero, like, caused to have made. Yeah. But then King wasn't making it. He just, you know, he his name was on it. Some of his stories were adapted to it. Right. But it's a, it, it's, it's a couple more degrees removed. Yeah. Um, but I thought he... Well, okay, so, so we'll, we'll explain what Creepshow and Creepshow 2 and Tales from the Dark Side is. Um, Creepshow, we can focus on Creepshow for the moment, Yeah, uh, is an anthology film that is uh, tonally based on old EC horror comics like Tales from the Crypt and Vault of Horror and Haunt of Fear. Uh, they, they create their own... Uh, version of those things, their own mm-hmm. mythos, a creep show comic book that only exists in the world of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I guess it did then exist in real Later life on, after the sure. movie. Um, but it, it's it's designed like a Tales from the Crypt comic, and it has a crypt keeper type uh, guy named the Creep. I think in the in the first movie it's a skeleton, and in the second one it's Tom Savini in a rubber mask. It's, in the first one, it's very much like the Crypt Keeper, right? It's sort of this yeah. like dead, gaunt, like cackly thing. Yeah, but no puns. No what? No puns. Oh, that's true. He doesn't make jokes in this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah but in Creepshow Two, he does. In Creepshow Two, they yes. they do the full puns with like the narration. Yeah. Of it. Um, and Creepshow One, it it's a little bit more suspended with uh, between seriousness and, and a comic tone. The second one it leans way more into the comic tone. So this movie ha- it has they all have wraparounds, all of these, right? Which and movie, Jim? There's three. Creepshow. You said we were sticking no, to Creepshow for. I know. I'm just being an <laughs> asshole. Oh, okay. Um, the uh, it has a wraparound, and it's crazy. <laughs> it has. It's like. <laughs> It's like, it starts with a kid who's reading a horror comic, and his dad is like, hey, I'm throwing out your horror comic, because it's bad for you, which is, you know, a, a, a wrong thing to do. And then the kid is like, I hope you die, but in a really <laughs> literal and intense way. I hope you rot in hell. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, kid, that's not correct. <laughs> well, it's interesting, because they're, they're definitely playing... Like they're they're making fun of the whole you know seduction of the innocent yeah. uh, comic books leading to juvenile delinquency thing. Um, I don't know if you watched all the way to the end of Creepshow two. Oh, I sure did. Uh, <laughs> if, they if we're gonna up. jump around, let me let me just so the end of Creepshow two <laughs> at, is is the thing I've watched the most out of any Stephen King movie. I had never really watched all of Creepshow two, but I've watched the part where Tom Savini in a rubber mask throws cartoon bats out of the back of a truck probably 500 times i I, it was on netflix for a while i don't know if and and i would just jump to that part and watch it over and over again i am in love with that one moment i mean it's a beautiful moment it's so Um, good but did you watch all the way to the end of the credits oh probably because that's what I was going to reference, is that at the end of the credits of Creepshow 2, they roll up this big, long quote from mm, Collier's mm-hmm. in, uh, I guess, in the 40s, talking about how, uh, you know, Dr. Frederick Wortham and the whole comic book caused juvenile delinquency is total hokum. And so it's this real, it's like final middle finger mission statement, you know, we, nice, we grew yeah. up on these creepy comics and we love them. But the films themselves posit that reading these comics turn your kids into creepy ass murderers yeah and <laughs> magicians and they so so far all of our stephen king movies have had a sort of very a very strong sense of justice 
like cosmic justice. And that is, it just goes out the window in all three of these films. Oh, they, yeah. No, these are complete kind of, nihil. They're like, if you can have a nihilistic goof, these are nihilistic yeah, goofs. Yes. It's just everyone is doomed. It doesn't, there's like a little, there's touches where they're like, ooh, somebody did a thing and now they're going to have to die because of it. But for the most part, it's just, it's just violence against everybody. Oh, yeah. No, the, I, 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 it was actually jarring at the beginning of Creepshow 2 when there was a real story with yeah. recognizable themes and stakes. Uh, because all the stories in Creepshow 1 are dumb as shit. Oh, they're so stupid. They're, I, I love them, but they're so fucking dumb. Yeah. They're, so Creepshow 1. First of all, Creepshow 1 is the only one of these that has actual sort of comic book panels and comic book uh, references going through it the whole time. There'll be bits um, where, like, it cuts Creepshow into a Creepshow 2 has panels. What? But they, it's just the transitions where they, they, they change from live action to drawings and back again. Well, Creepshow also, 1. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also bits where it'll, like, cut to, like, a circular frame with, like, colors around it. It has a lot of things that are referential to, to Wait, the- are you talking about... So maybe we shouldn't jump around. I was saying Creepshow 1 has all that awesome yes. stuff. Yeah, I'm trying Creepshow to just talk about Creepshow 1. has, like, comic book panels, but they're just for transitions. Creepshow 1 has these amazing, amazing visual, like, flourishes. And Anyway, yeah, continue. Talk about Creepshow 1. That, that's all I was saying. No, say more. <laughs> it's just it's that, and they, and they have a lot of things where it's like it'll cut to a person and there'll be like colored stripes behind them. There's, yeah, there's a lot of beautiful, which I don't know why they dropped that for the other movies. Well, uh, I think I actually meant to look that up, and I'm going to look it up right now. Uh, who shot the different movies? Because Creepshow one, it's like George Romero doing Bava or something. Like it is. There's a lot of red. So every single one turns red and blue at some point. Yeah. Like when things get really raw. Everything turns red and blue in, I think, I think in every single story. Yeah, I mean, maybe, I don't know if they were trying to just do, like, a four-color thing for the comic, or if that even crossed their mind, or if they were just playing with color for the emotional effect. But They it really, definitely it looks, had a set it, of rules they were playing by. It, it just looks so, I was shocked at how gorgeous that movie looked. Yeah. Like, I just enjoyed looking at it so much, and it did feel like it was... Uh, it it felt like it was aping like Bava or Argento. Like it, it made me it made me wonder if it was you know something that Romero picked up post working with Argento on Dawn of the Dead or something. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm looking right now at the director of photography, and he has shot five movies. <laughs> uh, his name is Michael Gornick. Oh, good old Gornick. Yeah, you know Michael Gornick. Yeah. Because he's, he's uh, you know, around a lot of this stuff. He's shot Martin, Dawn of the Dead, oh. Knight Riders, okay. Creep Show, and Day of the Dead. Oh, that's all good. He has a, hundred, a 100% success rate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this movie looked like nothing like those other movies. Like, those no. mo- other movies look great, but this just looked insane. None of those other movies is super stylized like this. No, I, I really was impressed with that. Yeah. I, I also think this movie has... It has a wraparound segment and then five stories in it. And yeah, it is. And it is full. two hours long. And I don't know why they didn't just shoot one more story and make it two movies. <laughs> well, I honestly, because I think they really had uh, a dedication to making this a stuffed comic book 
of a movie. Like those comics, yeah. when you read them, have a bunch of stories in them. Yeah. And I I like that having so many stories really gives them no choice. I think they were going to do this anyway, but it gives them no choice but to just cut to the chase. Like every yeah. story just moves so quickly and gets to that point where something gross and or weird or funny happens, and then we're out. Yeah. Um. Do you want Do you want to just like quickly blast through all of the all of those stories? Oh yeah, that's probably a good idea. Um. um so the, it has the wraparound story of yes. a kid uh, whose dad throws the comic away, and then the conceit of the movie is that we're seeing all the stories that were in that comic. Yes. Uh. So the first one is Father's Day, which this is probably uh, the most quoted one because a dead guy comes back and demands cake. Oh, is that true? I. It's gotta be. <laughs> okay. I thought it was the dumbest. It's so dumb. It's so stupid. This one. Like I, I, there are some all really the other ones effects, had more. Yeah. But it's so stupid. There's like because a beautiful... that is literally all that happens. It's not like there's an That's ironic it. twist. No. Or any anything at all. It's yeah. just people waiting around. Yes. And a dead guy comes back and wants cake because he was and killed until he when comes he was back, cake. They are genuinely all bored. And, yeah. and you're like, why am I watching <laughs> other people be bored? Although that, I why? could watch Ed Harris dance like that all day. Ed Harris dancing is worth is worth looking up. He's got a weird neck jerk. I've never seen a person dance like that. Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, the the cast in general in this film is pretty strong. <laughs> oh yeah, they're uh, yes. Yes. They're clearly like calling in some favors. They're like or like they're like, "Hey guys, this is going to be the dumbest most fun thing. I just need you for 4 days to shoot this piece, you know?" <laughs> um and then Ted Danson shows up. Yeah. Uh, that yeah, that one's that one's dumb. I agree. Yeah. Uh, I, I again, I love how it looks. Yeah. I love a lot of things about it. Yeah. But oh boy, is it dumb. Um this, the, the second next one, one is really good. It is I see here's where I feel like the baseline story of this one is also just really dumb. <laughs> yeah, but it owns but it, is, it in a certain way that it the does. first one doesn't. This one is just an excuse for Stephen King to be a dope for 10 minutes or 12 minutes or however long it is. Yeah. And, and what? It, okay, so it's called The Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill. <laughs> and Stephen King plays a guy named Jordy Verrill who is just like a cartoon yokel. Yeah. Like b- beyond any sense of of an actual character, yeah, um, he's just like a total complete. I don't I don't even know how to exactly describe him other than just a cartoon like mountain yokel. He's yeah. got overalls on. He has a a dumb voice. Yeah, he talks to himself. He's cross eyed the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that's a meteor. I'm sure of it. Yeah, and he's. The only character, really. He has, like, fantasies about selling this meteor uh, and about going his to a doctor and stuff. Yeah, but it's so so the same guy plays, like, three different parts in his fantasies. Which is so beautiful. Um, but, you know, no, so so this one's super dumb, yeah. but it's also, it's first of all, it's simpler. So the, the first yes. one has this whole tortured backstory of, like, people are sitting in a room and they're talking to each other. And then they ask each other about what this other person did. So then you see this other person's backstory. And then you see this thing happen. And it takes... It actually, it's the one that drags the longest to get it's to true. the fun part, which is when the guy comes back from the grave and demands cake and kills everybody. Yes. Um, Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill is fun right away because it starts with Stephen King's yokel almost getting hit by a meteor and then just running up... And being a goon looking yeah. at a meteor. 
think that's the whole and then, movie. And then turning into a plant man. Yeah. That's that's the whole thing. It's the whole thing. And it's there's beautiful. this great weird little bit where he sees like his dad comes to him in a mirror and tell <laughs> tries to tell him what not to do to get yeah. eaten by this alien vegetable that came out of a meteor and he just decides to do it anyway. Yeah. Like he just says like, well, you know, I think I'm I'm dead anyway, so I'm just gonna do it. That's like what a weird choice. It is, yeah, yes, yeah, very strange. Um, yeah. Is there anything else like particularly you want to talk about that one? I, I don't know. No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, what I want to do is just play the audio and just go through every single thing that Stephen King does because <laughs> I thought it was. I just wanted to watch that character the rest of the movie. Yeah, I would. I would watch him starring in a feature as that character, a full, you know. Yeah, one hundred percent. Ninety-eight minute feature. Yeah. Um, all right. So the next one is the Leslie Nielsen Ted Danson one. Yes. Uh, something to tide you over. Yeah. Which again, I think because of the strength of Leslie Nielsen is probably the most genuinely creepy. Yeah. Well, this one is interesting because it front loads all the creepiness. Like the yeah. the, the first one tries to do this slow burn to the reveal of the monster. And just the slow burn's kind of boring. It's not that boring because the people are compelling to look at and the movie looks weird and you're like, what's going on? But the second one's just a whole bunch of goofiness. This one, yeah. it the end is falls flat. Like, because it doesn't... <laughs> it comes out of nowhere. It doesn't mean yeah. anything. Yes. But the whole, everything leading the, up to the end is just Leslie Nielsen being a really rich, vicious, sadistic creep. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything with him is super strong. And at the end, they're like, I don't know, there's aqua zombies because we need it to be a, uh, an ending. Yeah. <laughs> and it's fine. It doesn't It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, here's the thing, is that it's the aqua just... zombies come in and they throw blue and red out there and, like, little yeah. cartoon squiggles. And I'm like, sure, done. Yeah, great. Yeah, and you I'm clap it. and it moves on. Yeah. But um, watching Leslie Nielsen seethe for 15 minutes is so good. Oh my god, you just forget how good that guy was. Uh-huh. And he does weird stuff with like putting cameras in places that you think is going to play into it somehow, and then kind of doesn't. And it, it doesn't matter. It's all, it's great. No, it doesn't matter at all. And it's just his his line deliveries and his his tone when he just starts screaming at the guy. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> it's like guy screaming help, and he just starts screaming help with him. Like, yeah. That's a cliched bit that's been in a million movies, but when mm-hmm. Leslie Nielsen does it for some reason, it's both more funny and more terrifying. Yeah, and that's sort of the beauty of it, right? Because he's being super intense and weird and scary, but it's still, a lot of it is still funny. Yeah, and I don't think, I, I genuinely don't think it's funny because I know that Leslie Nielsen is funny. No. Like, I'm not, I wasn't watching it and feeling like, oh, I'm watching the funny guy do a monster bit. No. It, just, that's just what he has in him. Yeah. He's, he's got that kind of tonal control. What a hero. Oh, my God. Um, all right. Then there is <laughs> the crate. But what happens in the crate, Jim? Uh, th- so, uh, Hal Holbrook uh, is married to Adrian Barbeau and hates her because she's loud uh, and and hates her because she's awesome what he hates her because she's awesome yeah she's the, she's the like a little rowdy that. and a little bit drinky and like and here, here's the thing that, that bugs me about this story is that the two of them are just a bad match now it it treats it like she's bad um but she's real cool 
I would hang out with her, not just because she's Adrian Barbeau, but because you know, her character, she, she's like a she's like a rowdy, cool lady, uh, and he's like exceptionally meek. Uh, and they irritate each other, which makes sense. They're, they shouldn't be together. This is a movie about two people who shouldn't have... Who, they should have gotten a divorce. And instead, he tries to murder her with with a monster in a box. Yeah. After fantasizing about murdering her in many other months. ways. Yeah. And you're like, just don't... Just leave each other. Yeah, it is very confusing. And I guess... If I squint, I can see a world in which, like, she would never leave him because uh, she's decided to that you know she likes being in charge of this relationship, and if he divorced her without her you know consent, then she'd take all his money or something. I don't know. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure there's something that sure. middle-aged divorced guys would understand about this that I don't. Yeah, maybe. Um, but that doesn't make something good. <laughs> Yeah, that's usually agreed. a marker of the worst qualities of our culture. <laughs> so, um, uh, but that said, it's like it's another one where I think the acting is pretty strong. Like Hal Hal Holbrook is great, um, and I think that honestly, after he's killed her, I think that it he there's like a whole sequence where he and his friend are playing chess and having a conversation that I think is so strong. Oh yeah, yeah. And his friend, who plays his friend? I can't remember, I remember. all of a sudden. It's, it's someone uh, also I know. Yeah, he's really, I feel like he's almost even better than Holbrook in, in this one. He just gets so much to do. Yeah. Um, oh, shoot. I, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. I won't remember it in time. But, um, <laughs> it's another but yeah, the, the acting's really strong. Yeah. I mean, that's a, again, that's a through line for this whole movie. Like, and that is. Yes. There's, it's really strong people carrying intentionally dumb stories yeah like i it it's a credit to the actors but also i feel like a credit to romero yes to to cast and get these performances out of these people for stories that don't deserve them yeah yeah um i do think that the monster in the box is probably the worst effect in this movie uh you mean the monster the way he looks yeah when you see his face i'm a little i'm like oh okay uh I feel like yeah. every other creature makeup thing, when it pops up, I'm like, yes, correct. And this one's just a little g- goofy for me, which is, you know, that's it's a matter of taste. Sure, sure, sure. But I mean, I, th- I think I agree with you. <laughs> I feel like it, it definitely also... has the best, uh, the, the best suspense lead up with them yes. finding the crate and pulling the crate out and opening it up. All of that is done really well, and I, I credit a lot of it to that actor whose name I'm blanking on, because he just yeah. plays... Oh, he's horrified. This, and Well, he, yeah. he plays the... he but Even before he's horrified, he plays that, like, uh, selfish curiosity so well. Oh, yeah. Where he's yeah. just like, oh, this is nothing. Oh, maybe it's something, and then I'll be interested. <laughs> but the, I mean, he just puts so many little little bits into it, like the way he lets the janitor open up. It's like, oh, it's your find. He's like kind of a magnanimous guy. You get the sense of like, he's the kind of guy that does charm people, but really he's a son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, he just he, he put a lot into that role. Uh, it's just in the way His he character is just there to be a foil to three other people. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but he definitely... <laughs> You're like, you know a lot about that man. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, and then, yeah, it, it sort of, again, it, it we've been over it. The stories are dumb. <laughs> it yeah. ends up in a yeah, dumb yeah. place. It doesn't really, uh, it doesn't really deliver as a story. Uh, but I agree that that last scene on the chess, that the chess set is very strong. Uh, and almost, it goes a long way towards almost making the story better. Because yes. it 
does make it into not... It's not a story about, like, a nice guy with a terrible, abusive wife who finally gets right. to kill her. It's a story about a chess master who finally saw his opening move. Yeah. You know, like... Yeah. It also... <laughs> this is, I think... This is the only one where I distinctly remember... All of the s- stories, they have their sort of comic book flares, and then they always c- kind of cut to the last sequence represented in a comic book mm-hmm. uh, and and pull out. And this is the only one that I remember distinctly being like, oh, it's even better. Because it they sort of... It ends with them, like, dropping the monster in a river or a lake, and then uh, and then they have their conversation, and, and the other guy's like, but what if it doesn't die? And he's like, ah, it's going to. And then I think it cuts to the box, and it, like, starts to break open. And then it cuts to the comic book, and the monster is in the box, and he has a line. He has, like, a pithy Freddy Krueger line. <laughs> he he's does. Like, he's like, well, Oh, you can't drown your fears that easily, or something like that. Um, and I, and it's so much better all of a sudden. You're well, like, which oh, is the now line that's supposed to go to the creep or like the, the crypt keeper character. Yeah. But oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, and then the last story, and then we can we can kind of rush through Creepshow Two and Tales from the Dark sure. Side, the sure, movie, sure. Uh, because Creepshow is really. I, I, I think we're in agreement. Creepshow is the star of the show here. There, there's uh, things to like I would say about Tom Savini throwing bats is the star of the show. Well, okay, yes. Yeah. But then, if we're going to pick a full moment. movie, then yes, Creepshow. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so the the last story is They're Creeping Up on You. Ah. Uh, what? Crazy rich guy lives in a, in a high-tech Howard Hughes-like clean apartment and is obsessed with bugs, and then bugs get in everywhere. And then he dies. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, That's the whole thing. This one, out of all of them, made the least sense to me. In that, in most of them, they're like, oh, there's a monster. It it really hurt somebody. Um, And in this one... This guy has all these bugs in his apartment, but maybe he's hallucinating them, but then at the end, he's full of bugs. They're gone from everywhere else, but they're in his body. And just logistically, I don't get it. I think the idea is that he dies, and then they eat him from the inside. But Like, they crawl into his orifices and then eat their way back out. But all of them are in him. Well, yeah, that's where the food is. They're looking for food. That's not how cockroaches work, <laughs> I have a logistical issue. When, you're, when your creature is a weird monster that you made up, sure, make up your own rules. But if your creature is a million cockroaches, like, I know roughly what they would do. <laughs> they wouldn't climb inside a new corpse and hollow it out and then burst out as Dramatically in, a, in a, 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 a chorus line? No. No, um, sir. A, ki- a cockroach kick line? <laughs> No, they would just be everywhere. Like they are for, and for most of the movie, they're everywhere. And then at yeah. the end, they're like, "Oh, there aren't any." And you're like, "Oh, maybe he was crazy." And then they're like, "No, he's full of them." <laughs> uh, I, I, I suppose to me, it wasn't any dumber than anything else. Yeah, no, I have weird hangups. Maybe I, I know, but I, I get it that you know cockroaches are real and. Yeah. Arctic crate monkeys are real, but the rest of the things aren't. Yeah. Uh, and, and like so, an Arctic you know, crate those... monkey might eat you if you got too close to its crate. And that's all it does. Yeah. Um, no, I, anyway, I, that... I get that. But also, it was just, I mean, it was just such a dumb flourish. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, yeah. not only was dumb, but again, unnecessary. Like, it, they, yes. whatever point there was to the story, which was pretty hard to figure out, they got to it just by having him die in a room full of cockroaches. Yeah. Um, and it is a delightful moment, and I don't know why I'm overthinking it. <laughs> it is a weird story in that there's all of these little 
it all takes place in one room. Yeah. But there are all of these suggestions of an outside world through the people he talks to on the phone and the radio that he's listening to. Yeah. And and those suggest it's almost I kept waiting for it to be better than it ended up being only because those suggestions seemed like they were almost trying to do something interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean there's uh who has the who has the famous movie gun, Jason? <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, not, not Marky Mark. Someone, there's like a f- famous movie gun. There's a guy who has a quote about a gun where you see it and then it goes off. Check out. I know, Check dirty... out his gun. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, That's the theater, my dear boy. It's movies too. Um, <laughs> I don't care about theater. There's a... Uh... There's a bunch of Chekhov's stuff, right, in every movie. But in this, there's like, there's Chekhov's jukebox in this story, and there's also Chekhov's uh, <laughs> bereaved widow in this story. And then neither of them goes off at the end. Well, and then also the cops, when he's talking to the cops, I swear, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I thought the cops are like, everybody has cockroaches. And I thought that that was going to oh, yeah. be like, the cockroaches are overrunning the city. Right, yeah. Well, yeah, because also the electricity goes off in the whole building for a little while. There are a bunch of cl- things that make it seem like but then it is the just whole city is going to be in chaos. That he hates bugs, and then there's bugs. Yeah. The whole fine. thing. <laughs> yeah. I did really like the uh, the black guy that he's a real oh, dick to. Yeah, the, like, porter guy or whatever. Yeah. Or I'm not, I'm really unclear as to what his actual job was, but he I really... the building, maybe? <laughs> his superintendent, maybe? I don't know. But he was great. And there's also, the. I mean, the best thing, I think, for me in this set is he has a communication portal on his door, but it's just, it's like a, it's like a three-inch ring with a ridiculous lens in the middle that fish eyes both people's faces so they have all conversation through it and they're both like wobbling around putting an eye to it then putting their mouth in front of it and like being super weird with it it's really good i want one of those in my doors yeah yeah no i like that a lot um yeah and then that's the last story and then we get back to the wraparound uh when it's revealed that the little boy is I don't know if he's killing his father with a voodoo doll or just causing him immense pain. I'm, I've I mean, never been I totally assume clear he's cursing on, him to hell. Well, I've just never by, been by entirely clear on how voodoo dolls work. Oh, sure. Like... Well, he, Jason, they don't. That's... <laughs> that's the secret. But, like, you stab a voodoo doll with a needle and it causes great pain. Yeah. But if you stabbed a person with a proportionally sized needle, they would die. But they don't die oh, from the voodoo true. doll. So then, like... How far can you go with a voodoo doll without killing the person? I've just never been totally clear on the. Yeah, no, that's a that's a reasonable question. Um, but this movie does not care about rules. No, no, um, it does not. I yeah, also, that's the I whole think... movie. It just kind of it, everything just kind of happens, and then they move on. Which I is think that admirable that kid, in a way. Jason, just a fun note. I think that kid is Joe Hill. Joe Hill. Yeah, Stephen King's son, who now writes books and directs oh, movies. Oh, Joe Hill. Oh, yeah, in the credits, he's Joe King. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that is him. I, I missed that. Do you think he doesn't go by Joe King because it sounds like joking? <laughs> Do you think that's why Stephen King named him named that? Named him that? So that later on in life, people could be like, aren't you Stephen King's son? And he could be like, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> Um, the last thing I want to talk or want to say about Creep Show, I don't know if you have anything left, but no. Uh, again, Savini and Marty Schiff is the garbage man at the back. Oh, end. so nice. We're so good. Yeah, yeah. Savini like wearing headphones and being kind of a dick. Yeah. What? 
It's a comic book. What? It's a comic book. What? It's a comic <laughs> But also Very just good. the other guy just yelling at the garbage truck, chew your food. Oh, man. Yeah. What a delightful scene. <laughs> oh, man. I feel like I have nothing worthwhile to say about this movie other than it was dumb and it kept going and I love it. Yeah, yeah, just kind of... The thing, I think what's nice about it is it's very long, and it's everything in it is stupid, but all of the performances are so committed, and it changes what it's doing every 15 minutes, so it's it never is bad. Yeah, yeah, it never get it never goes long enough to get boring. Yeah. And some of the images, I, I'm just going to keep going back to, like, I did not expect Creepshow to look beautiful. Yeah. I really, I was expecting complete, like, dusty bargain basement, you know, middle of the road 80s horror, and it's just gorgeous. It does, it looks, it looks more expensive than I would expect a 1982 Romero film to look. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because we've seen a 1982 Romero film. Sure. Knight Riders, and it doesn't look anything like No, yeah, 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 not at all. Uh, I, I was cheaper. expecting Creepshow to be Knight Riders, but with monsters, which I yeah. totally would be down for. Which is a great movie, yeah. But for instead, sure. it was this, like I said, like Mario Bava, Dario Argento, Fever Dream filtered through uh, the Batman TV show. Yeah. All right, Creepshow 2 and Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. Tales from the Dark Side, so I really only tacked Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, on here because... I thought it was an interesting story, or a half-interesting story, that Romero and King tried to make a Creepshow TV show, but they didn't yeah. own the rights to the name, so they had right. to switch it to Tales from the Dark Side. And the only reason I find that interesting is because I used to watch Tales from the Dark Side in syndication okay. when I was a kid, and then this reminded me of it. And that's the whole end of the story. Sure. I, there's also, I think, I really liked Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. I enjoyed it a lot. It, it, another one, it's another one with like a really strong cast, I think. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. Little, little baby Buscemi in that first one. Little baby Buscemi, and, like, Julianne little baby Moore, Harry. Incredible. Um, yeah, that wraparound is like, it's like uh, what, A Thousand and One Arabian Nights, right? Like that kid reading. Although I do, I did, okay, two two notes about that. One is um, the opening credits are like uh, credits in order of appearance. And the first person they credit is Debbie Harry. And then the second person is Christian Slater. And then the second person you see is that kid. And I was like, is that baby Christian Slater? <laughs> um, and I had to wait until the first segment. To, that confused me. Um, it's not. That kid is not baby Christian Slater. But also at the end of the movie, the kid k- kills Debbie Harry. And I was not on board. I wanted her to just eat him. No, obviously. Yeah. That's bullshit. Yeah. I was like, I don't need this little whiny kid to just eat him. Just eat him, Debbie Harry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I, I agree. Debbie Harry should live. Yeah. Uh, period. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And the 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 Buster Poindexter one, I, I which I guess is the only one that Stephen King wrote, um, is delightful because I like watching Buster Poindexter do things. Oh yeah, always. Um, there's also there's a sequence where he says "hot" three times in a row, and I <laughs> I was like, "What is this? What made him write that song?" But I looked it up, and he had already he was already famous with that song. Yeah, he was already Buster Poindexter. Like At this point, he was not the guy from the was New York he Dolls anymore. Credited as Buster Poindexter in the movie? No, probably not. Okay, I wasn't sure. Well, because he is in some movies. Like, oh, is that true? I I think in Scrooge he's, he's credited, credited as, as that's Buster Poindexter. Super funny. I could be um, making that up, but I think that's true. I believe it. And I feel like he also yeah. showed. Didn't he show up on Viva Variety as Buster Poindexter? Oh, I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure he did. How could he not have? Yeah. No, I I'm a big. I like the New York Dolls fine, but I'm a big Buster Poindexter fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's clearly where where it falls. Who's on the Buster Poindexter side? Um, I like that. So the last story is is a rip from Quiet On, right? But I like that they changed it a little bit. I also so 
Tales from the Dark Side, I think, has the... It clearly had the most budget, right? It's like the... I guess because it's coming off the show. So I think the monsters and stuff in it look super good. I don't know if it Um, had the most budget, but it might have had a bunch of stuff already paid for that they could use. That's fair. Yeah, they might have been... They, they like, had an an on-call team, probably, who were... I don't know who did their effects. I should have looked, but... Whoever was doing it was probably doing it. According to Wikipedia, it had a budget of three and a half million, and Creepshow had a budget of eight. Whoa, interesting. All right. But I don't... Wikipedia, who knows? Whoa, can we talk about... We we should finish this one up, uh, because we're we're running long, but, you know, it's three movies. Um, Can we talk about the music for a minute? Yes. The music in Creepshow was incredible. Yeah. Like, I'm really high on these movies, actually. I I, maybe... (laughs) I kept expecting... Uh, this to be like the drop-off point after Carrie and The Shining and Salem's Lot, but I think I, I think I like Creepshow. Maybe even I definitely like it better than I like Carrie. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sir, there's a train blowing its horn over here, so I'm trying not to talk for a second. Oh, I thought you were starting the music. I was like, oh, are you just gonna do some live needle drops? <laughs> no, there's just I live near trains. Uh, um. Yeah, I don't yeah, have anything no, else I, to say about it. It's just great. Yeah, agreed. I, uh, I do. I. I agree that I thought it was going to. It does seem like this is where there would there would start to be a a downward trend, but there is not yet. Yeah, no, I'm I'm getting a sense of false confidence. I think. Yeah, I am getting a sense of confidence that all <laughs> of these movies are going to be great. Yeah, so far your thesis Except, is yeah. bearing fruit. Yeah, yeah. Although the I I will say Creepshow two Creepshow two wore wore on me a little bit. It yeah. That's it fair. wasn't the best. It, uh, the 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 hitchhiker one really was it 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 started to bore me. Yeah, uh, I remember it the least. The things that like the slime. Oh man, that slime one in the middle is is so confusing. Yeah, well, because it it's they they have a good idea for a monster kind of, but it's just it feels like it's one third of a script non-sequentially yes and it's also all those characters are there's talking about like losing a sense of morality all those characters are just people (laughs) they do they don't do anything that even implies they should get murdered until two of them are already dead and then one dude gets super creepy on that other lady yeah uh, and that so right at the very end there that that one was actually the one where there were all of these hints of where i assume in the king story which i haven't read i assume there's all kinds of internal stuff going on with the different people and like their points of view and what they're thinking and feeling that make it a little bit more of a complex presentation but in this (laughs) like romero just went he didn't he didn't do the thing that other people do which is cut them out but he just yeah. kept them in, but didn't explain any of them or or yeah. give us access to them in any way. They're just four people. And it starts out with that one girl being very dreamy, looking out the window, and you're like, oh, is she going to have some sort of connection to this? Nope. No. She's just going to die first. Yeah. <laughs> to this thing that doesn't make any sense and is never explained. And the whole gag is just no swimming. Yeah. At the end, like, the, yeah, I guess that's it. That's the moralistic thing is that they broke a rule that was written on a sign that was hidden in the middle of a bush. I, and I don't even know if that is supposed to be immoral. It's just a gag. Yeah. I don't, yeah. So, again, not uninteresting, but did not thrill me. 
No. Yeah, not as good as Creepshow, for sure. Uh, uh, Stephen King again shows up, our second Stephen King in a movie bit, and again, he gets a super fun idiot character. He's not an idiot, I guess, but he's a doof. He's a real doof. Uh, Unfortunately, he's only in it for, like, 30 seconds. I was really hoping we were going to follow that character for a bit. Oh, man. Yeah, just, like, a whole segment about that trucker. Yeah. I would would watch. Um, It does make me want to switch this up to being a podcast about Stephen King's acting performances. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll cover them all, right? Well, I don't know. I think he acts in stuff that isn't his. Oh, well, we'll have to jump into that afterwards. I know for sure that he guested on an episode of Sons of Anarchy. Oh, interesting. Uh, But past that, I don't know. Oh, and and there's that great bit on Chappelle's show where they caught him as one of the people on the street interviews for Ask a Black Person. Yeah. Yeah, genuinely. Yeah, they were doing they were doing person on the street interviews for Ask a Black Person and they happened upon Stephen King and they're like the the story they tell is that back you know, off camera they go, Mr. King, you don't have to do this. He's like, No, 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 I wanna do it And then his question for the for a Ask a Black Person was, Do black people like to go to black barbers and black undertakers? <laughs> Oh, that's really good. Um, so yeah, I would Stephen Stephen King underappreciated performer. Oh, absolutely. Uh, all right, well, I think we're going to wrap this one up. Yeah, like uh, a movie. We're I think structurally this episode has imitated uh, its subject matter in that we yeah. didn't really say anything and yes. we just kept going and Correct. now it's going to end. Uh, I also was flashing red and blue lights. I don't know if you could feel that, but I was. And I do want some cake. Yeah, I mean, give me my cake. Uh, all right. Well, we will be back tomorrow with uh, what is what is tomorrow? Cujo? I think Cujo's <laughs> I tomorrow. Thursday. I don't know. <laughs> uh, we'll be back tomorrow with a big old rabid dog. Uh, non on your insides. I'm looking forward to Cujo. <laughs> Good. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I. It's such an iconic. Yeah. yeah, yeah uh, right. I'm. I'm pretty. Monster. I feel like. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Bye, yeah. everybody. Cool, Joe. Bye. <laughs> It's almost time, kids. The clock is ticking. Be in front of your TV sets for the horathon. And remember the big giveaway at nine. Don't miss it. Forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking. It's almost time. Happy after Halloween, 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 Happy after Halloween, Super Show. Hell to the King is a special presentation of the Synesthesia Podcast, produced by Iguana Donald Studios and distributed by Split Tooth Media. Music by Loyalty Freak. Hell to the King is recorded before a live studio audience who is not sure where they are or why they have come. But they felt the call, the call to come, come to us. When they leave they will never remember what has happened. Maybe you have been here too. Maybe you will come tonight. I was like, I don't need this little whiny kid to just eat him. Just eat him, Debbie Harry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah.